Hey everyone, Marcus Engel here. Welcome to this edition of Compassion and Courage Conversations in Healthcare. This is the podcast where we teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. We titled this session today, How to Have Hope. And this this came from, oh, by the way, hi. Hello. <laughs> I got the hotness in the studio with me and I just completely forgot to... Uh, to introduce her like a bad husband would. Oh, so. no, no, no. No, no? Okay. Don't say bad husband. All right, so not a bad husband, but maybe a forgetful husband. So sometimes. here... Sometimes. Sometimes, pretty frequently. When's our anniversary? Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm the one who usually knows that. <laughs> you always know that. So uh, so we're talking about hope, and, and this, this idea came recently... Uh, I gave a I gave a speech at a at a fundraiser, and it was a short speech. It wasn't a keynote. It wasn't a healthcare audience, um, but it was kind of about hope. And as soon as I got done speaking, I um, I was greeted by a woman, and she wanted to tell me her story. And her story, as I as I received the story, as I witnessed her story. She had a story that sounded like you would have lost hope during it. Now, she's a parent, and she said when her daughter was 16 years old, she went through a lot of issues, and she ended up moving out when she was 16. And I can't hardly think about moving out at 16 years old. I didn't have the maturity to to be by myself at 16 years old. I certainly wouldn't have had the maturity or the the forethought how to take care of myself. And maybe this young lady didn't either, and that was part of the problem. Uh, When she moved out, uh, her parents lost contact with her for a while. They didn't know where she was. And she was running with what back in the day we would have called a quote-unquote bad crowd, right? And so as this young lady is, is living her life and her parents are worried about her, um, 18, 19 years old, she ends up pregnant and comes back home and has the baby and brings the baby back into the parents' house and still was running with a bad crowd. Parents are pretty worried about her, as you can imagine. Now that she's in her mid-20s, her mom said that she's figured a lot of stuff out. She's still not on the right track yet, but she's getting there. And as we were walking away, I, I shook her hand and I said, you know, thank you for telling me this. And I said, I'll, I'll keep you and, and your daughter in my prayers. And she said, she said, you can pray for me. She said, but you've already done something better than that. You gave me hope. You gave me hope. And I don't get choked up super often. Actually, that's not true. I'm a big cry baby. But, um, but, but. Whenever I get compliments from people in the audience, I I don't get choked up very often. But when she said, you gave me hope, I thought that is better than anything, right? That is better than anything because what do we have if we do not have hope? That brings me to the question that I often get is, well, Marcus, when you were laying in that hospital bed, how did you have hope? How did you keep hope alive knowing that everything had been changed? And I guess for me, I, number one, I didn't have a whole lot of choice. But number two, 
I knew that life could again someday be good. I knew that there were people that had gone through great tragedies and great losses. Um, I didn't know any of them personally, but I knew that people had gone through crazy traumatic life-changing things and that life still ended up being good for them. And I thought that's going to be me. I just didn't know how to do it. I just did not know how to do it, but I trusted and I suppose I hoped that there was going to be that relief later on in life when everything wasn't as heavy, when the loss and the devastation wasn't as pronounced. Where does that bring us today? These days, I guess I'm old enough, and I don't know if I'm necessarily wise enough, but I'm old enough to have had several different portions of time in my life that were pretty rough. You too? I've had some hard times. Everybody like has. We all have. Like yeah. everybody has, right? And I guess I've lived through enough of those hard times to know that there does come the morning. There does come the morning. There is going to be a time when that pain begins to subside a little bit, uh, when that devastation or loss doesn't overwhelm every minute of the day. And knowing that, knowing that that exists, knowing that, hey, guess what? The sun is still going to come up tomorrow. Sun is still going to go down tomorrow night. I guess that gives me the hope to know that I'll survive, right? Um, that things will go on, life will go on, and all I have to do is get through this difficult time. Now, that doesn't mean that it's easy. That doesn't mean that sometimes when... When life is really rough that we are not gripping in with our fingernails and holding on with white knuckles. But I do know that those times are going to change. And then it's just a matter of waiting it out. Doesn't mean it's fun. Doesn't mean it's not hard. It's still hard. But I think that just knowing that life is going to ebb and flow, there's going to be times of uh, a great feast in times of famine. Uh, we can think about that in all the different ways, but to keep hope alive, for me, the way to do it is just to remember that life is going to go on and I want to take whatever aspects there are of life that are good and kind and generous and compassionate and beautiful and I want to apply those to my life. I want, I want my life to look a certain way. And I know it can, it's just going to take a little bit of time to get through the rough times. So how about you? You got, you have any like great tips and tricks for, for mm. holding on to hope? Well, you know, I know so many, so many of the listeners, so many of each of us are almost constantly in a battle. And, and I think right now it feels like the whole world is in a struggle don't you think? Well, it has been certainly for two years. And I saw a, a friend the other day who's an economist who wrote, I, I open up the news every morning and I read the economic reports, dot, dot, dot. So I worry a lot. Right. So I worry a lot. And, and I think that whether we're worried about our physical health or the economy or the global stage that we're on or environmental disaster or violence, whatever it is that we are fearing, um, yeah, that exists. That exists. I know. And statistics tell us it's either us or someone we love or someone we care about is struggling. 
like right now. So it's easy to say, hmm, well, my little struggle doesn't compare to what you, Marcus, went through. And we know that comparison is a thief. It is a thief of joy. It is also a thief of sometimes being able to deal with our own problem. Because if we say, well, oh, I'm dealing with this, but mm, it's not as big as what that other person went through. So maybe I shouldn't feel bad. Well, that's certainly not a way to have hope. So how do we have hope? Well, one thing I think you said a very important part, you said you knew other people had gone through trauma. Mm -hmm. So instead of comparing yourself to another's trauma, we can learn through the fact that other people have survived trauma. So expose yourself to what other people did, whether it's through reading or following or learning. What did other people learn through their traumas? How did they survive something that you went through? What did they do well? And how did they find a light? And hang on to that fact. Maybe reach out to someone that you know has gone through something and come through the other end. Yeah, yeah, I know that... um that that mm, having my experience in the last year or two um i've come across a few other people who have also been blinded in car accidents severely injured and and so to be able to give hope to these individuals is really special to me uh because i remember being that kid and and not knowing what was going to happen next not knowing uh if life was going to continue in any good path or not i think whenever there's somebody who's walked that road ahead of us uh and we can look to their example hopefully that not only gives us hope but some uh some motivation that uh yes my life may have been severely changed but my life is not over my life is not over right and even in this in this story that you shared this woman's experience that she was going through had nothing to do with what your story Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. but your energy and your survival was enough to give her hope yeah when people talk about uh dysfunction and families there's a certain part of me that that i i am so filled with gratitude whenever i hear these stories because i didn't grow up in a at least not severely dysfunctional family. <laughs> I think every family has a little bit of uh, fun and dysfunctional in them. But no, uh, when we talk about adverse childhood experiences, I didn't grow up with uh, parents who were abusive or uh, substance abusers or violent or neglectful or absentee. I didn't have to grow up with any of that. So, so when I hear stories like her, how they're holding on to their love for their daughter so tightly that they just, you don't really have much except hope. And if I was able to give that to them in any way, then there is my duty owed, I suppose. And that's, and that's such a beautiful thing. So finding a story, finding something that resonates with you and offers you hope that says, you know, other people have made it through dark times. And holding on to that story, holding on to, hey, they found a light and they they held on. And I can do that, too. I yeah. can I can hold on to a light. Yeah. You never know what you can go through until you have to go through it. 
never know what you can go through until you have to go through it. And you know, sometimes turning around and being that for someone is one of the greatest ways to find hope yourself. You know, think back to the <laughs> the the educational tool uh, tool that many healthcare professionals learned, which is uh, watch one, do one, teach one. Right? Nurses yeah. in nursing school kind of get taught this idea of uh, watch a procedure, do it, and then teach it to a fellow student. Whenever you do that, you're you are guess what? It's it's ingraining it in your mind more about how to do this once you're teaching it to someone. So uh, if you've gone through something and and you're teaching others how to go through it, guess what? It's going to reinforce it even more into your psyche and you're going to be able to benefit from those same things that you're teaching to others. Go figure, right? Right. It helps you (laughs) rise to your best. And, you know, just in a super, super practical way, we do that it fits along this. We have to watch what we feed. Mm. You know, we, what we feed grows, mm-hmm. what um, we starve tends to shrink. So um, be sure that you're feeding yourself on the stories of people who, are, who give you hope and um, set boundaries and limits with things that after you're exposed to them much, you feel your hope draining. Are you talking about social media? It could be social media. <laughs> it could be media of any sorts. Yeah. Sometimes it's maybe a neighbor, and I shudder to think it could be a, a family member or an old friend acquaintance that if you're just exposed to them too long, you you feel less hopeful after you've been in their presence too long. You may have to, for a time, if you're in a moment of struggling or a season of struggling, you may have to set a little boundary and limit your exposure to them, if you're in a place of struggling, if you're in a place where you know your hope is is dwindling and you're not in a good place, you may just have to say, for a time, I have to limit my exposure to this. I just got to step back, right? I just got to step back from uh, from negativity that can pull me down. I And that makes me sad to say that about people, but we all know that that's true. We all true. know that that's true. We know it's true. We, it's true. we have to set boundaries. Um to, to protect ourselves and our own heart in seasons. We know it's true. I'm just going to say it. It's, we're, we're never without hope. We're never without hope, right? We're not without hope. Uh, that's something that we can always carry. And, and I've felt without hope at times, but we're never truly without hope. And maybe that's something that we rest on, too, that while we may not feel like we have hope, we are never truly without hope. That's right, because what do we know about feelings? Uh, You always tell me that feelings lie. Feelings are liars, you guys. Feelings are real, but they do not tell the truth. Don't always tell the truth. They don't always don't tell, always the, tell truth. the truth. That's right. We could go on this for hours, but that's uh, for another day. Yeah, that's for another day. So thank you all so much, and and we hope that that this we hope <laughs> that this gave you <laughs> some extra hope and maybe some ways that that you can help uh, frame your life to make sure that you are feeling those feelings of hopefulness that you are knowing that there is good that can still happen even during those extremely dark times that life brings. So thank you all so much for joining us. Again, this is Marcus and Marveline, a.k.a. The Hotness. 
Thank you for being with us on this episode of Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. Please remember to rate and review, subscribe and share, uh, interact, do all those fun social media things. Thank you for helping us get the word out.